Good morning, Sunny Ridge. Uh, it's super good to be back here with you uh, this morning. Um, I've been away for two weeks, and the reason for that is because Alyssa gave birth uh, to our little son, Malachi. Uh, yeah, I'll tell her you applauded. I did nothing. Uh, man, my wife is tough. I have a new uh, found respect for women and what you do. Uh, but we're just so blessed to have him. He is gorgeous, and we love him a lot. Um, he's our little prince, but our little prince also has really big lungs um, and likes to cry a lot. Uh, so this morning as we were getting ready to leave, he just started fussing. So that's why they're not here this morning. Uh, they do send their love. Um, and I just thank you so much for your prayers and your support. Uh, you guys have been great. I've really appreciated it. Um, yeah, we just, but we, I'm glad to be back. Glad to see you. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to actually be diving into another book. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 21. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, if you would turn there. I'll be reading uh, from the English Standard Versions. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. It goes like this. is Paul praying here. It says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we are so grateful that we are able to gather as your body. Um, and this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, use your word, that it would go forth and achieve its purpose, like you say in Isaiah 55, verse 11, that it does not come back void. We, we, we trust in you that for that this morning, that all, all the hearts here this morning would, would hear from you, that we would come away knowing more of Christ, that we would have a deeper desire for his love, and that we would pursue him, Lord, that we would pursue you wholeheartedly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul starts off this section with the words, for this reason, and as I've said it before, and I'll say it many times again, when we see this in Scripture, the words, statements like that, for this reason, or for, or therefore, it's important to understand what the author is about to say is based on what's gone on before. And so, as Paul says, for this reason, and he bows his knees, there's, he's talking about what's gone on in, in chapter 3, uh, in the previous section, and, and really the whole book in as a whole, he's saying, he's talking about the mystery of the gospel. He's talking about Christ coming and, and dying for our sins, this, this amazing mystery that the God of all creation would plan before the foundations of the world, knowing that we would mess up in sin, that he would send his son Jesus to come die for us. That we who were dead in our trespasses have a way to God now who can be alive in him because of what Christ has done for us. That we have a plan and a purpose. That he has, he has planned work for us, that we would do it, that we would glorify him, that we would find purpose in it, all because of what Christ has done. 
And so Paul, as he, he talks about what Jesus has done for us, his, his heart is stirred with a passion for the church of Ephesus. That they would not become mediocre Christians, but rather that they would have this deep desire in their hearts to experience all that God has for them. That they, they have this abundant riches that are available for them in the Lord Jesus. And he wants to make sure that they have it all. That they don't just settle for little. That they don't just settle for scraping the top of the surface, but rather that they dig deep. That they have an appetite for Christ. That they don't just eat the starter and stop, but that eat the feast, the buffet that's before him. This endlessness of what God has for, on, for offer for them. That they would have more and more of who Jesus is. And so with this passion burning inside of him, for this church to have that, he gets down on his knees and he starts to pray. And this is very similar to what we are saying this year. Our theme this year, that to return to our first love, that we wouldn't just be happy as a church to come and sit here in a service once a week, that we wouldn't just be happy with the odd event that we have now and again, or we wouldn't be happy if we had big, massive events with glitz and glamour, that we would only desire Christ. That we want to experience the depth of what he has. Not just a label, not just events, but everything that Jesus has for us. The riches of it. This relationship that we now have. The love that we now have for him. And so this prayer that Paul prays is a prayer that we need to pray as well. We need to get on our knees alongside Paul and pray a very similar prayer. Because this is what we need in our lives. More of Christ. More of what he has. And so Paul prays this prayer, and in this prayer there are four steps in it, four sections. John Stott will call them four steps in which we need to climb. One onto the next, and then onto the next, and then onto the next. So let's look at the first step. Let's read um, from verse 16. It says, says this, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So here, Paul starts up his prayer by praying that we as Christians, um, we as a church, would have the Holy Spirit empower us and that Christ would come and dwell in our hearts. You may ask the question, and it would be a good question to ask, is that he is why would Paul be praying that for Christians? Remember, this prayer is for the saints, the church of Ephesus. These are godly people, and he's praying this for them. Why would he be praying that they would have the Spirit and that he, they would have Christ come and dwell in their hearts? You, you may ask, well, surely they already have those things if you're a Christian. And you, and you know what? You're right. But the, the issue here is not a matter of receiving for the first time as it is much of a matter of degrees. How much of it do you have? And so Paul's prayer for the church, if they are to get to know more of Christ, that they would have more of the Spirit. That He would come along and He would strengthen them. That He would reinforce them. That He would come along and He would help them to persevere, to comfort them, to give them strength to love more and more of Christ. That would have more of the Spirit. And what I love about this is that Paul is convinced that every member of the church of Ephesus, regardless of how mature they are in Christ, how long they've known Christ or not, he is convinced that each and every single one of them can have more of it. Man, this is a church that he founded himself. 
He went to Ephesus and started this church. He, he started the church plant. He stays there for nearly three years, raising up elders and leaders, being taught by him themselves, discipled by him daily. These were men and women who were extremely godly. They had a great relationship with the Lord, a great understanding of the Lord. And yet he has a prayer that they would have more of him. And we can be sure that whatever stage we are in life, that we can have more of His Spirit. We can be strengthened more. It's a beautiful thing. And He also talks about how we need to have Christ come and dwell in our hearts. The word dwell here is an interesting word. It's not uh, one of an alien coming and breaking in and staying in your house. It's not a squatter. It's not a person even coming and renting, even a long-term renter. But rather the word dwell here means owner. That Christ would come as a master of the house. And so that he would come and rule. Masters get to, the person who owns the house gets to decide what he wants to do with the house. That he can decide to renovate if he desires. Break down walls if he wants. Uh, build walls if he desires. Do what he likes, redecorate, because it's his. And so Paul's prayer for us is not that we would just allow Jesus to have a little bit more control in our lives, but that we would allow Jesus to have utter control in our lives. That we would come along and give it to him all to release every aspect of our lives. Easier said than done, though, right? It's difficult to hand over control. I don't know about you, but I become extremely anxious when I'm not in control. I, I start to worry because when I'm in control, I can make sure things go the way I want them to go. But I, I want to encourage you that in allowing Christ to have this rule in which Paul is required in talking about here, there's actually comfort in it. Because we take in the control out of fallible hands and place them in infallible hands. We're taking the control out of weak hands and putting them in the all-powerful, almighty, sovereign God's hands. Taking them out of ours and placing them in Christ's. And that should bring us some comfort. But the way we build up in us an ability to be able to let this go is by faith. He says that Christ might come and dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, for those of you who might not be uh, professing Christians or claim to be Christians, this for you would mean that you need to believe in Jesus. That there is this understanding that he is God, that he is Lord, and he has died for your sins, and you believe in that, then salvation takes place in your life. But remember, Paul is talking to Christians, to the saints. So when he talks about having a faith here, he's talking about having a faith in who Jesus is. If you're going to let go of control to him, you need to know who he is. You need to have faith in his character. You need to trust in who he is, that he is all loving, that he loves you dearly. We've been speaking about that a lot this morning. That he's a steadfast love for you. Okay, man, man that makes it a little easier to give it. That he's not going to just mess me around. Man, we, we look at the cross when we see that. You want to understand the depth of God's love for you, and we'll look at it again later on. We look at the cross, and we see that God's love for us is deep. We see power in his resurrection, that he defeated sin, that he defeated shame. We see uh, authority and control and sovereignty in his resurrection and ascension. And he's seated at the right hand of the God, uh, Father, and he's ruling. 
So we've got a God who loves us. God is all-powerful. And we've got a God who is in control. Oh, man, it makes it easier to let go of the lives and let Christ come and rule in our hearts when we do that. Does that make sense? And so there's this need for us. If we are to experience the, the riches of what God has for us, it's actually to let go and let him do it. Let him work. We need to let go of our lives. And in that, we experience the life, the riches that God has for us. And not trying to be controlling ourselves, but letting Christ have control. That's the first step. Let's look at the second step. Let's carry on in verse 17. Or let's read the whole of verse 17 again. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, Rooted and grounded in love. We had to ask Paul this morning, if he was here, and we said, why would you pray that we would have the strength of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that Christ would come and dwell in our hearts? I believe Paul would say he is praying that so that we might love, that we might be strengthened in love, that Christ might rule in our hearts so that we might love well. This is our theme for the year. We'd love up, but man, we would love in as well. That a primary focus, in the, at least in the book of Ephesians, is that Paul is dealing with the conflict between the Jew and Gentiles. The Jews are arguing that they are greater than the Gentiles because they were chosen by God in the beginning and as a result, uh, they are more special because they've always known this God. The Gentiles are arguing, well, actually, you didn't get this Jesus. You killed him, so he's come and he's chosen us. So actually, we are a little bit more special than you are. So there's this conflict between the Jew and the Gentile. And Paul comes along here and goes, no, particularly in chapter 2. He goes, we are one in Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, if you're slave or free, or if you're male or female, we are one in Christ. Regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of status, regardless of uh, what job or position or gender you are, we are one in Christ. And so for Paul, his major prayer is that Christ would come and rule in our hearts so that there would be unity and love amongst us. That we would be able to love well, love in that we be strengthened with the Holy Spirit to love. And he uses two metaphors. He uses one of being grounded with roots and one of being, uh, um, sorry, that we be rooted and grounded. Rooted in, deep in love, and also uh, grounded or, or foundation. These are both firm things. That we be firm in these. And, and Sunny Ridge, my heart is, we are good at being great, kind people. We really are. We come in here, man, we make the other campers look silly because we give each other hugs every time you walk in here. If you didn't get a hug this morning, I'll come and give you one later. Because we are loving people. But there's this need for us to have this deep within us as a church, as a congregation. That it grows deep roots. That the very foundation of our lives is built on love. The very source and fuel that our roots are plowed into is love. And the only way we can do that is by being strengthened by the Spirit and by letting Christ rule in our hearts. Do you see that? First step leads to the second one. We need that. So we need to be, if we are to experience all that God has for us, we need to love each other and we need to love well. Let's look at the third step. It says this. That you, uh, that, verse 18 
may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Let's stop there. To have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul here is talking, he uses this imagery of endlessness. If you look at the original language here, this when he talks about the length, the breadth, the height, it's got this endlessness to it. It's this endless length, it's this endless breadth, this is endless height, this is endless depth of the love of God. So when he talks about this, he's saying no matter where you go or what direction you look, there is an endlessness to God's love. It's this perfect endless love. Do you get that? It's this perfect cube. It's this love that is continual in every aspect. And he wants us to grasp that. Now there's a little bit of danger here that I, we could look too much into the length and the breadth and the height, but we've got some freedom to do so. So when we talk about the, the breadth of God's love, we, we can understand that no matter how far you've run away from God, there is no place in which you have gone too far that the love in hand of God cannot reach you. His breadth of his love is far. It can get you there. You might feel riddled with guilt and shame that you have done much, that you have been running away from God. He's been calling on your life, but you have not listened. And you thought, maybe it's too late. It's not. God's loving hand can reach. It's the same thing with the families that we pray for. Man, you've got brothers, sisters, children, spouses that you are praying for that they would hear and meet Jesus. I say continue because the loving hand of God can reach them. There's a length to God's love that is endless. Oh man, there's no point in your life that has gone on, has, that's happened and will come where God has loved you less and will love you less. He has loved you 100% perfectly all the time. All the time. It's continual. And that might mean that some of you are going through some tough seasons. Whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with your children, whether it be financially, whether it be with your health, and things are difficult, I can tell you now that God's love for you has not changed for you. It is not a, a little bit of a degree off. It is a 100% steadfast love for you perfectly all the time. And for all eternity, he will love us like that. That is great. There's a depth to God's love. There's, there's no amount of backsliding down the proverbial slope of sin that you have gone down that the love of the hand of God can't pull you out. No amount of despair, no amount of shame, no amount of guilt that the, love of hand, the loving hand of God can't just grab you and pull you out of the miry clay and put you on solid rock. It can do it. There's a height to it as well that is endless. No obstacle have you faced or will face that the love of God, hand of God, cannot reach and pull you over it. There's no giant that you're facing that's too big for the love of God to defeat. And the love of God will make sure that we one day, he lifts us up to glory, to heaven. There's this love that is available for us in Christ church. Endless. And Paul is praying that this, as he says here, um, this this, and this surpassing knowledge this, of the love of Christ, that is this passing knowledge, that we would comprehend it. That we have this opportunity to this, un, this understanding of God's love that's just beyond us, that we can just keep on going, grasping more and more of it. Why settle for less? 
It's a desire for us to, to move forward, to love more, to get more. Whatever situation you find yourself in, there's this opportunity to experience that more and more and more. But I need to point out something, and it's important. Who does Paul pray that we experience all of this with? Let's look at verse, um, verse 18 again. He says, that you, that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. With all the saints. And this hit me hard when I understood this for the first time. If we, church, are going to understand the extent of God's love for us, to continually grow in it, to experience its blessings and its riches of God's love, we need to do it with each other. That if you are isolated, if there is a fraction between you and some of the members of this church or other saints in general, other Christians, you will still experience the extent of God's love, but not to its fullest. Because Paul says here, it is with each other that we can understand all that God has for us, not by ourselves. Why is that? Because we have been saved, church, out of isolation into a family. We have been saved into a body. And if we are to experience all that Jesus has for us, we need to do it in that body, in that family. And so the unforgiveness that's in our hearts towards a brother and sister in Christ, the bitterness towards one, the annoyance towards one, it is just hindering us from experiencing all that God has for us. Scary to think that somebody's offense to us can stop us from experiencing it. All the riches of God's love because of our unforgiveness, because of our hate because of our malice, because of our gossiping, because of our slander. And there's this need for us to lay that aside, make right with our brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we might know more and more of Jesus. Do you see the importance of that? Because to hold on to forgiveness is to, unforgiveness is to limit what we can experience in Jesus. Scary. Let's look at the last step. The last step. Just let's read verse 19 again. It says, And to know the love of Christ is past knowledge, and here it comes, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Jeez. Paul's praying a massive prayer here. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. What does it mean? John Stott explains this. He says it's similar to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1. He says um, that you might be holy like God is holy that we uh, might become more and more like Christ, that we'd be righteous in our actions, that we'd be pure in heart like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. And so here, this is not an immediate change as we've discussed as we've been going through the Beatitudes. This is not an immediate change. This is something that takes time. It's a slow process that happens in our lives. But there is this need for us. There's clearly this call for us to become more and more like Christ, to become more righteous in our actions. There's this call there that we will do that. We see this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. I use this verse often, that we would uh, pursue righteousness and flee from sin. That we would flee from sin and pursue righteousness. And this goes hand in hand. Understand this, church, that we cannot pursue Christ and yet not flee from sin. 
You cannot flee from sin and not pursue Christ. These two are, uh, go hand in hand. You have to have one to do the other. And so if we are to get to know the riches and the experience, all that Christ has for us, we need to see the sin in our lives and actively flee from it. It doesn't happen. Fleeing is not something that happens by mistake. It's intentional. And pursuing is something that's intentional. And so there's this need for us to, to flee from our sin and pursue Christ. To become more and more holy. Oh man, this takes time. I stand here as a sinner that sins regularly. This is a slow process. And I go, Lord, come on, can't we be over this already? Surely I can't be messing up in the same area. And he goes, no, I know, Joe. I wish you weren't, buddy. I wish you'd be, I'd be quicker. But it's a process that takes time through the power of the Spirit within us. The Spirit comes and strengthens us, sanctifies us, molds us more and more into that image. This is a massive prayer that Paul is praying. So as we look at this prayer that Paul has prayed, and I, I pray this for us as a church as well, you kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed, don't you? Well, at least I do. How are we to become people that are strengthened by the Spirit? Christ comes and rules with everything in our hearts. That we'd be rooted and grounded in love. The very aspect of our life would grow out of love for each other and for others. That we would know with all the saints, the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length. How, how are we going to get that? And then on top of that, have the fullness of God dwell in us. I think as, as Paul was writing these words, and as he was praying it, he probably goes, man, I'm freaking the Ephesians out here a little. They're getting worried as they read this. And so Paul realizes that and he writes verses 20 to 21. Thankfully he does. And he says these words. Let's read it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, yeah, that God can do all that we ask. No, no. He says, God can do far more abundantly than all that we ask. The NIV, if you've got the NIV version, says immeasurably more. If we are to look at the original, it's vastly more than more. God is able to do vastly more than more than we ask or think. And so as we, we come and we discuss this incredible uh, prayer and we say, Lord, this is what we want for us. We want to be these kinds of people, but I cannot do it. That is the right place to be because you cannot. And it's in knowing that God is able. It's this dependency, this poor in spirit that we need to be in, that we realize, man, God is able to do this in us. We cannot, but he is. He can do far more than we ask or think. He can make us, he can come and rule in our hearts, strengthen us with the spirit, that he can make us a people who are rooted and grounded in love in our lives because God is able to do so. He can uh, come and show us all the dimensions of his love that we might be able to experience and journey, go on the adventure of knowing the riches and the, that God's love has for us because he is able and we are able to have the fullness of God dwelling us as we become more and more like him because he is able. He is able. Father, I, I pray for us as a church that you would help us to become people who just enjoy 
the extent of the love that you have for us. That, Lord, as we've tasted just a bit, that we would hunger and thirst for more. That you would pour out your Spirit upon us, empower us, strengthen us. That Christ, you would come and dwell in our hearts, that we might be rooted and grounded in love. That together as a church, Lord, we would grasp the surpassing love of Christ. It's, its length, its height, its depth, and its breadth. That Holy Spirit would work in us to such that we would flee from our sin and pursue righteousness, that the fullness of God might come and dwell in us. Lord, we pray this big prayer not because we are able, but because you are. You can do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And so, Lord, we have a trust and a faith in you, knowing that you've got this. Would you do this work in us, we pray as a church. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.